Alright, hello, this is Kyle High Club, uh, this will be MMA episode number 9, uh, this is my fucking third attempt trying to fucking do this episode, because this motherfucker keeps trying to call me in between it and stopping my recordings, um, so yeah, fuck that, uh, I put my phone on do not disturb, but somehow still calling me, so I guess that doesn't work, you, people can still disturb you when you're in do not disturb mode, what the fuck, so now I'm on airplane mode, motherfuckers can't even call me, hopefully. Um, I hope I don't even have a signal. I'm just trying to fucking record here. <sighs> With that being said, let's just try to hop into it again. Um, it's my third time talking about this fight in the last fucking two minutes. Uh, <laughs> first fight of the night was between Brandon Davis and Randy Costa. Uh, Costa, uh, this was his UFC debut. Uh, he's undefeated, I believe 4-0 with all first round finishes in his career. Um, he looked like a solid guy. Brandon Davis, of course, fought Zabit in the past. And although Zabit is, you know, one of the top top 10 guys in the division, if not top five, and, you know, might possibly have a belt one day. Um, Brandon Davis is still a solid guy, hung in there. And um, his stock actually rose when he fought Zabit because he was able to stand in there and, you know take all that punishment, actually deal some punishment of his own, so this is a good fight to start out the night, uh, these fights were on ESPN Plus and UFC Fight Pass, so whichever subscription you have, um, you could view them on there, um, yeah, in the first round, I think Randy Costa came out and had some crazy, you know, there was just crazy exchanges back and forth between the two guys, I think Costa definitely hurt Davis in the beginning, um, and tried to empty the gas tank and finish him, uh, but I think that may have cost him, well, I think it definitely cost him, um, cost him the fight. Uh, although Costa, he, he put out a very good output in in the first. It seemed like he started for t- fatigue towards the second. Um, and Costa had never been on the first round in any of his pro fights, so it was something he had never deal, dealt with before. You know, you can train for 15 minutes, you can plan on having cardio for the entire 15, but once you get in there and a guy's actually punching you, and you're actually going full throttle, full pace. You know, it's not a sparring matchup. Um, it's a different story. I have never been in a professional fight, so I don't really know. But this is what guys that have been in professional fights have said. And I'm just copying shit that guys are smarter than me are saying. Um, that's how it works. That's how all the people work. Most people don't come up with genius things on their own or whatever. Their own opinions or their own facts on their own. You know, there's some bias or some... Um, you know, some cut and pacing and rewording of things. I mean, that's just how we all work. Uh, it's just human beings. Um, um, so, yeah, I think Costa, you know, had a little too much output in the beginning. Was throwing a lot of, uh, throwing a lot of, uh, I guess, significant strikes and just strikes that take a lot of stamina out of you if you keep keep throwing them. Especially if the guy's just standing there and he, he takes it and, you you know, can deal back punishment. I know Brandon Davis didn't, you know, since he had been in with Zabit and he realized, you know, looking across the corner, oh, Zabit's not there. Okay, I feel confident I can get this win. And I think it ended up being a tougher fight than he thought. I actually gave Costa the first round. But as I said, I think he um, emptied his gas tank a little bit, you know, didn't really pace himself that well. And that will come with uh, experience. He's still a young guy. And uh, he should... Uh, yeah, I look forward to both of these guys fighting again. But essentially in the second round, uh, 
you know, Davis Acosta had some more exchanges, and then, but then, uh, I think Davis hit him with a, it was a knee, I think, the body, and that hurt Costa, and Costa actually started, uh, he's tried to go for the takedown, it was almost like DC, Daniel Cormier, uh, current heavyweight champ, said that he was panic wrestling, and you know when a guy's panic wrestling, especially when he's not a wrestler, that he's hurt, that he's in trouble. I think Brandon Davis realized that, kind of let him go for the takedown. He didn't let him get take taken down, um, but just reverse position, ended up getting his back and choking him out with the rear naked choke in the second round and got a, got a solid victory. And, you know, good for him. Uh, and I think Costa will learn, learn from this and should be, you know, better than ever. I look forward to both these men fighting. And, you know, Costa, I think, is like 22, 23, or 24, so he's a young dude. Um, he's got a promising... Uh, future and so does Brandon Davis. I look forward to both the both these guys fighting again. It was a great fucking way to start off the night. And I wish Brandon Davis, you know, got a little extra money for the for that finish. Give him give him ten G's for the finish. But I mean, with how many good fights there were this night, uh, it'd be if they did what my suggestions were for performance bonuses or finishes bonuses, they'd be dishing out a lot of money tonight. Um, but, you know, the performance bonuses ended up going to the great fights at the end of the night. The, the co-main and main, um, which is good. They were definitely the best fights of, of the event. You know, highest competition, highest marquee, you know, more eyes on it. So, obviously, they deserve the fight of the night performance bonuses, all four of those guys. Uh, but there was, there was some really good fights on the prelims and early prelims. And, you know, guys got some finishes or dominating performances. And, yeah, they'll get their win bonuses, but... I don't know. I don't know. UFC's got money, man. What's the extra 10 Gs? Doesn't matter. Um, the second fight was between Lauren Mueller and Paulina Botello. Um, This is a good fight. Uh, I thought Pollyanna dominated distance round one and two. Uh, and just kept her distance. She was a longer fighter, better striker, um, more athletic, and... You know, just all all around better striker, better athlete, and just better at keeping distance. Uh, but it looked like she kind of gassed in the third round, and Lauren Mueller was able to get on top of her. And she came on strong in the, the third round, and I ended up giving the third round. I gave the first two to Pollyanna, but I think it was just a little too late for Lauren Mueller. And I think uh, the rest of the judges uh, thought the same. All of them gave 29-28 to Pollyanna, and she ended up getting the decision victory. Uh wasn't the most exciting matchup, but it was a good uh, matchup between styles, and I look forward to seeing Pollyanna back in there again. I know Lauren Mueller's a, a little up there in age. Um, I think she was like 38 or so, so we'll see if she, she comes back to fight. She definitely, you know, she didn't get, like, dominated. She definitely uh, could take some pluses uh, from this fight and maybe start a little earlier with that pressure in, that, in the ground game, because... Once she had her down in the third, I mean, she dominated her. You know, if this was a five-round fight, she would have definitely won rounds four and five because uh, Pollyanna was gassed. But they signed up for a three-round fight, and that's what they got. It was just a little too late for her. And, um, yeah. And that was at 115. Pollyanna, one day, might be a contender, and that would be interesting to see. Um, got a lot of mo- 
got a lot going on in that uh, women's 115 uh, strawweight division. It's a stacked division right now. Uh, the next pay-per-view card, UFC 237s between Rose Thug Namajunas and um, got Jessica Andrade. And that's going to be an amazing fight. I can't wait. can't wait to talk about it either. But the next fight on this card, and the third fight of the night, was between Montel Jackson and Andre Sukumdata. Uh, I don't have any scores for for myself. I, I got a little distracted while watching this fight. But looking through the judge's decision, um, didn't really seem... I mean, I definitely watched it, and this was the biggest uh, betting, I guess, uh, betting differential on the card. And... It showed why Montel Jackson ended up pretty much dominating in every facet on the feet, on the ground. Um, and I might watch it again in the future just to see, you know, how good he did. Um, one judge scored it 30-26, so they gave a 10-8 round in there. Another was 30-27, and another round, a judge gave it 29-27, so they gave one round to Andre Sukutai. So maybe I should have watched that again before talking about it, but at the end of the day, he ended up... he. On three out of three judges, three rounds, he won eight out of the nine rounds for the judges, in the judges' eyes. And in one of the rounds, he got a 10-8, so he really kind of won them all. It was pretty much dominating performance. Congrats to him. Look forward to watching him fight again. Um, he's definitely a young prospect, up-and-comer, uh, up and you know has a bright future. Uh, next fight on the card to end out the early prelims. Um, this is a good matchup in the featured early prelims. It was between Curtis, Curtius Millinder and Bilal Muhammad. And man, goddamn, Bilal Muhammad, man, he's legit. I mean, I've known he's legit for a while, and I know guys that follow the sport know. But, you know, Curtis Millinder is not, he's not an easy guy to fight. Yes, his ground game's a little green, and that's where Muhammad ended up getting this victory in my opinion, um, you know, and injectively so as well, not subjectively. But, um, yeah, uh, I think in, you know, Millinder looked solid in the beginning, uh, and he had a couple good shots in the first round, but I think uh, Bilal ended up having some decent, um, decent, um, he had some decent strikes in the first round as well, decent exchanges, and I, I gave all three rounds to Muhammad. I gave the first one to him. And then the second two uh, rounds, the second and third round, it was pretty much Muhammad all the way. He dom- dominated the third, you know, finished strong, dominated the ground game. And he won most of the striking exchanges at two, so I think it was a dominating win from him. And, again, the same exact scoring from the last uh, last fight. So one judge had it 29-27. So they gave one round to Millinder. Maybe he had to give the first round to Millinder. There's no way he gave the second or third. Um, oh, and so did the second judge. So he gave first round to him as well. But then the third judge gave it 30-26. So he gave all three rounds to Bala Muhammad. And I'm assuming the third round he gave it 10-8. Um, I don't know. It's a little inconsistent to see there, but that's why there's three judges, I guess. I think they should have five to iron it out because, as you'll see later, and I'll talk about, I think there was two decisions a little little iffy in my mind at least. Um, And just, you know, I'm no expert. I don't get trained on this, but I don't even know if the judges do. So who fucking knows? 
but we'll get into that. Good performance by Bilal Muhammad, and, and he deserves he deserves a top 15 guy, or at least a guy that's right on the cusp. Um, I think Melander was right on the cusp. I mean, he was ranked, I believe, or at least close to being ranked before he fought Lucio Dos Santos. Soliski. I don't want to say his name, but... <laughs> um, yeah, man, Muhammad deserves a guy on that, in that, you know, on the fifteenth cuss on that ranking cuss, you know, close to getting a number by his name. Um, in this next fight, you know, this guy definitely deserves some extra money, man. It's between Boston Solomon and Khalid Taha. Uh, and it was pretty much over before it started for Boston Solomon, who made his UFC debut. Khalid Taha got in there. Kato'd him with the left hook, uh, pretty much right away, 25 seconds of the fight, and that was pretty much it. He starched him, it was fifth, fa- fifth, fac- fifth fastest knockout at 135 Bantamweight uh, men's history. Um, that dude deserves a little extra money, come on. If you starch a dude in fucking 25 seconds, you, de- you deserve a little extra money in your pocket. But it is what it is. Uh, so it was a great way to start off the prelims, which are on ESPN, just regular ass ESPN. Uh, so it's pretty cool to see, you know, a couple of these guys to be on cable TV and you know maybe rise their their stardom. You know, maybe some guys know who Khalid Taha is now after starching probably the coolest name in MMA in Boston Solomon. Um, yeah. Next fight, uh, second fight on the prelims, sixth fight overall of the night was between Max Griffin and Zalim Amadeyev. Um, I didn't know this going into the fight, but these guys had trained in the past, or at least sparred in the past, and Max Griffin had some issues with the way Zalim sparred and some of the techniques he was using, so I'm guessing he's a little over-aggressive while Max is probably preparing for a fight, getting ready for a fight, but Zalim was probably going, you know, full tilt and just trying to hurt hurt somebody you know he's a young guy he's from russia so i mean you know that's a different that's a different type of human being that's a different type of white person you know those russians are tough um yeah this ended up being a pretty decent fight um max griffin had several takedowns in the first and i think he dominated the ground control um and I gave him the first round, 10-9, but then Zalim had a minus one point taken for a cage grab. It was the first cage grab of the night, no warning. Well, I don't know if it was the first cage grab of the night, first cage grab of that fight, and no warning, referee took a point. And I, I like that. I like just taking a point right away. Fuck the warnings. You already know the rules. I mean, yes, it is his debut, so maybe he doesn't know all the rules, but... The lower organizations pretty much have all the same rules as well. Um, so compliments to that ref. I don't remember the ref's name, but it was this old, older black gentleman in D.C. while I was commentating, was calling him Swaggy G. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe we'll see that guy again. I don't think I've ever seen him referee fights before, but I, I praise him for, you know, no nonsense, no bullshit, and just taking a point away right away once the cage grab happened. So... In my mind, that first round was 10-8 to max. But then the second and third rounds, I had going to Zalib Amadeo, 10-9 each. Uh, He 
lit up Max Griffin in the second. He was very aggressive, had lots of spinning attacks. But I think that might have, you know, hindered him later in the third round. Uh, both guys were super exhausted. Um, it was a tough fight. That third round was weird to judge. You know, I, um, in my notes, I have third round question mark. And I tried to watch the fight again, but I couldn't find it. Um, you know, ESPN Plus doesn't, they only have the early prelims and the main card up on there. They don't have the regular prelims, which I understand. You showed it on ESPN, just put it back on ESPN Plus. That's what you've done with every other fight, um, fight card, so why not this one? Um, so I wasn't able to watch the third round again, but I did have it going to Zaleem. Um, I thought he did more damage. Um, and yeah, I thought he had more output and just, I thought he won that round. But who knows so the way I scored it I had it as a draw but the judges saw it differently one judge did have it as a draw 28-28 and the other two had it 29-27 to Max Griffin so I ended up getting um, getting the majority decision so congrats to him and the next fight of the night was between Wilson Hayes uh, a veteran and Alexandre Pantoja who's solid, solid guy. I've never seen Pantoja fight, but, and you know, I'm glad I bet a little money on him. Um, it was uh, it was a fine performance. He ended up KOing uh, Wilson Hayes in the first round, about three minutes in at 258 in, into the round. Um, he dropped him with a straight right, and then pretty much just, you know, a little ground and pound there and finished the job. Um... Hayes did have a takedown before that, um, but Pantoja was be, was able to get up pretty quickly and, and defend that. Uh, Hayes didn't really land any damage, and once they got to the feet, um, he dropped him with the same strike that Henry Cejudo dropped him when they fought. Um, I didn't point that out. DC pointed that out, so I thought I would just repeat it. <laughs> um it's good, good showing for Pantoja, and man, he deserves you know potential title shot eventually. He definitely deserves a top three guy, um, and I don't think man they should get rid of this one twenty five flyweight division, you know. And the fucking commentators they keep saying, oh, you know, we don't know the future of this division by the end of the year. You know, is it going to be scrapped? So who goes moving up? No, man, don't don't do it. You got fighters in this division, and they're fighting, and there's some good up and coming guys that are coming up um, with some power too, especially Pantoja. And you know, Sahuda's going to fight uh, fight Morais at 135 for the vacant belt there, but at 125 they got Benavides and um and uh, is it Justin Sumiga? Formiga, Justier Formiga. Uh, you know, Dana White already said those two are going to fight uh, for the number one contender spot. So whoever wins that will fight Cejudo for the belt next. And then, you know, so that will happen. They'll probably put that on the same card. They'll probably put, and I already know, uh, Cejudo and Marais is set for, I think UFC 230. It's either 238. No, it's 238 because I'm going to that one June 8th, I think, at Chicago. Um, and I believe that's the headliner for that card. And maybe they'll put um, Josiah Formiga versus Joseph Benavides uh, in there as well. Um, and then, so once those two fights play out, 
let's just say for argument's sake, just to make it easy for the 125 division to make it easy for Cejudo to go back. Say Cejudo loses, which I don't know. That's who knows what's going to happen, honestly, in that fight. And I'll talk about that when it comes up. But uh, let's say Cejudo loses. So then, you know, he's not 135 pound king, so he has to defend his belt. He has to go back to the 125. I think that's best case scenario for 125, honestly. Because if Cejudo wins 135, then he's 135 pound champ. He could just stay there and say, fuck 125. You know, that cuts too hard. Uh, now that I'm 35, I feel even better. Um, and I think that that's probably the plan for his career. I mean, he's a big 135er. When he fought uh, Mighty Mouse the second time, you could tell he's just, he's a lot bigger than Mighty Mouse. He's a lot bigger than those guys at 125. Um, but yeah, let's say, so who to lose So that means he has to go back down to 125 to defend that belt. So he'd fight whoever wins between... Josiah Formiga and Joseph Benavides. Hopefully they make that fight happen and soon. Um, and then after that fight, you know, let's just... It really doesn't matter who wins that fight. Let's just say, for argument's sake, Cejudo wins again. I know, or Benavides or whoever, or Formigo beats Cejudo after Cejudo fights Marais. You know, this all probably won't happen until the end of end of this year, around December. And then after that, this guy, Alexandra Pantoja, who just won, he needs to fight a guy, you know, top three. Somebody besides Cejudo, um, Josiah Formiga, or Benavides. I don't know who that is right now. I should probably have my laptop pulled up, but I got a Boston Red Sox game playing in the background. So fuck it. Um, you know, so after Cejudo fights the number one contender at 125, I think... You know, if Pantoja can get another one versus a top five guy, he deserves that next shot. And he looks solid, and, you know, he could potentially have a belt wrapped around his waist one day as long as they keep that 125-pound division. You know, I don't understand why would you get would get rid of division when, uh, you know, when there's fighters in that division. They're, they're there. Um, you know, they're going to still make you money. They might not be the most... You know, biggest draws on a pay-per-view, but that's fine. You just don't put them on pay-per-view, man. Just put them on, like, you know, some of the feature bouts on ESPN. You know, start to build a couple of these guys or just put them on the prelims. You know, they, you got spots for fights, man. You don't have to scrap an entire division just because, you know, they're not making you a shit ton of money. They're still going to make you some money, but they're not Conor McGregor. They're not John Jones, um... And, you know, and I think the reason the 125 division was talking about being scraped was because Mighty Mouse was just dominant. And, you know, undefeated, undefeated for the longest time in that division. Just, But now that he was defeated by Cejudo and now that he's gone, you know, now it's interesting to see these fresh and up-and-comers get a chance. And, you know, there's so many new matchups to make. Um, I'm excited for it. You know, and I'm, you know, most... And I'm, you know, I like seeing the smaller guys fight because they're a little more technical, fast, agile, and it, it's amazing to see the striking and grappling exchanges when just at at that blazing speed and just the cardio. I mean, those guys never stop. You don't see guys at one twenty five, one thirty five get tired. That's uh, pretty cool. And then it's even better when guys can show power. As Pantoja has shown power, Cejudo has shown power. So I think the division's in the best shape it's looked in the you know past decade. Um, so I mean, please don't scrap it. With that being said, going on a long tangent, um, the featured prelim was between Jalen Turner and Matt Steamroller Fervola. Uh, this is a good fight between uh, 
style, you know, stylistically wise. You got a long, uh, rangy striker in Jalen Turner, who was about 6'3, I believe, and Matt uh, Steamroller for Rolo was 5'9. You know, so he, he's got to be creative to get in there, uh, you know, cut the distance and, you know, disrupt Turner. And, you know, he got the job done. Frivola ended up getting the win, ended up getting the W. I scored the first round of Turner and then the second and third to Favola. I didn't see what the judges' decisions were on that. I probably should check before talking, but fuck it. Um, round one, Turner landed some good counters. Uh, and he had decent submission takedown defense. Although it wasn't the best, uh, it was good enough to where he got out of those positions. You could tell, oh, he's been working on it. He has some skills there. And, uh, you know, since it was early in in the first round, he was able to do it, and he was still had his energy. Um, and although, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, in the second round, there was an illegal head kick by Frivola. You know, Turner was on, Frivola was on his back on the ground, and then Turner was in his, in his guard, in his full guard, but he was on his knees, and as he was on his knees, you know, as a lot of the guys do, they, they do up kicks to prevent guys from passing their guard or getting close to them. Um, but Frevola kicked him right, his heel right into the eye. And it's a legal strike, uh, and the referee did not take a point. He said it grazed him. If you look at the replay, he did not graze him. Fucking heel straight to the eyeball. Um, he could tell it caused Jalen some discomfort. And, you know, maybe negatively impacted the fight and you know I think at one point should have been taken there man because that's a huge it's a huge deal you get kicked in the face when you know it's just getting kicked in the face at all is a huge deal but it's even worse when you don't expect it because you're in a position where if a guy does it's illegal so you're not defending it at all you're not thinking about it you're like oh the guy's not kicking the face because it's illegal it's against the rules so then when it does happen, when you least expect it, that's when it's worse, when you get caught off guard. And you could tell it stunned him pretty bad. He instantly reacted. And it might have messed up his eyesight, too. I don't know. I'm not him. I'm not looking through his eyeballs. So who knows? But because he didn't give that one point away, the referee, I, th- I think it was Kevin McDonald. I don't know. Is either Kevin McDonald or uh, I forget the other guy. But the, I always get them mixed up. And one of them, I, one of them lately has been giving me questionable decisions and stoppages lately, and I'm just, I don't know. But it was a good fight. Uh, I think the one point should have been taken there, and then I would have gave it a draw. Um, but who knows? Congrats to Steamroller for Evola. He got his first one in the UFC, so that's that's pretty hype. That's special. And although Turner took the L, he'll definitely be back. He's a young guy. He's got. He's got skills, promising talent, especially at that division and at his length and his size. He's going to be a problem for a lot of guys. Um, so, yeah, it's a good way to end the prelims on ESPN. Um, should I take a break here? Nah, I'm feeling it. Let's just roll through it. Fuck it. Uh, the only reason I want to take a break is because my buddy just said he's on Xbox and I'm a fucking nerd and I want to play video games, but... Let's talk about these fights. Let's get out of the way because if I don't do it now, I'm going to put it off and then I'm not going to do it. And I still I have to do a preview episode this week as well. 
on 420 this week and this Saturday. They're going to St. Petersburg, Russia, I believe, between uh, Alexei Olenek and Alistar Overeem. It's the main event. I don't know. The, I, honestly, they showed the card on this card this past Saturday, and I didn't recognize any of those names. It looks like a bunch of Russian fighters going to be fighting. Probably a lot of guys from... I think it's AAC, which is the fighter organization in, in Russia, I believe. Um, I think that's what Herb Dean says. Um, yeah, I'll talk about that more later on, honestly. Um, but the first first fight of the main card was between OSP, Ovensei, Peru, and Nikita Krylov. Uh, they fought before, I think it was back in 2012, so it was a while ago. Maybe not that long ago, but it was a while ago. And... Um, OSP got him with the Von Flu choke or the OSP choke. And, you know, he almost had him the first with the same fucking choke, man. And, you know, he looked decent the first. I gave OSP the first round, but after the first round, he looked gas. He looked really gas. He had three takedowns, but he worked hard to get them. And I think that was pretty much the end of the fight. I could, t- you know, he just looked gas, man. And his fucking corner w- was yelling at him, you know, after the first round, you don't get tired. You don't get tired. Well, you can say that all you want, but that man was tired. He was huffing and puffing. He was breathing out of his mouth halfway through the first. Because um, I think it took a lot out of him to get Krylov down. Because Krylov was messing him up on the feet. Um, so SP was trying real hard to take him down. He got three takedowns the first round, but I think it drained him. Um, Krylov had good striking. And then he ended up taking OSP down in the second, actually, because I think OSP was just done, man. And, you know, he just beat him up and sucking that rear naked choke and got that W in the second round. You know, congrats to Krylov, his second stint in the UFC. Um, this is definitely going to put him a long way to stay in here. Probably deserves a top 15 matchup. Um, you know, after beating, I believe OSP was ranked 12, and OSP is title contender at one point. Uh, I guess he's just been reeling as late. But I think on any given day, he could probably beat anybody, and Krylov looked good. You know, maybe any given day, he could beat anybody as well. And, you know, I, I could see some exciting matchups with him. I look forward to seeing him back in the cage. And I look forward to seeing OSP back. And, you know, hopefully he can rebound and, yeah, just work on his all over all overall game. You know, as I said, he looked gassed. And, you know, once he looked gassed, it looked like he didn't want to be there. I don't know if he wanted to be there at all. You know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to question a fighter's mentality or mindset going in. And I don't know the guy. I don't know how he reacts. Um, but I don't know, in hindsight's twenty twenty, knowing now that he lost, but in the moment, I thought he looked like he didn't want to be there, you know, kind of like Aldo looked when he fought McGregor, and he got starched in 13 or 14 seconds, whatever it was, you know, you can just tell sometimes when guys, you know, you could see in their eyes that, I don't know, that that something's off. And I don't know, I sense that with OSP halfway through the first when he realized how hard it was to take Krylov down and that he was messing him up on the feet and that this guy had changed drastically since the last time he fought him. I think maybe OSP was, he might have been banking on that, oh, he knew he got him with the Von choke before, he could probably do it again and, you know, probably use his uh, ground expertise. Um, but it was just too hard and, you know, once he faced that wall, he just, he looked like a deer in headlights. Um, yeah, 
solid performance by Karloff. Uh, the next fight, this was the quote-unquote boring fight that I I think I might have mentioned in the beginning of this, but I restart this intro fucking three times, so I don't know if I did or not. Uh, but it was between Alan Joban and Dwight Grant. Uh, where are my notes for this? Uh, so Joban... So I don't have any notes of the first round, but I gave Dwight Grant the first round. I think he was probably just, he was the now that I'm remembering, he was a more busy fighter. Um just had more strikes in the first round. Uh Joe Bonham had good pressure in the second, had a takedown in the last second, so I think got him got him that round in my opinion. Um and also Dwight Grant seemed to be breathing heavy after the second round. Um and this was just kind of, honestly, this was just kind of a boring fight. It was a lot of just Joban following Grant around the cage. Uh, Dwight Grant was just backpedaling, and, you know, he's a very powerful guy, so, and he's a good counterpuncher, and he's really really fast and powerful. And Joban likes the pressure and, you know, you know, just keep the pressure on the guys and have them wilt. And I think it worked to a sense because he kept, you know, it's more tiring to go backwards than it is to go forward. So as Grant was going forward and circling the entire fight, Joe Man was following him, but Joe Man wasn't really putting much of an output on him. He wasn't Yeah, he was he was just following him around the cage. He wasn't even cutting him off. He didn't he wasn't throwing, you know, a jab to get closer. He wasn't throwing, you know, double jab and fucking, you know, straight in there to get some combos going or to get flowing. He just followed him and you know and you know that, and it looks like that was Grant's uh, game plan. He knew that Joe Biden likes to put that pressure, so his game plan was just to circle away from his power shots or, and just um, counter him as he was coming in. And in the first round, that's what he did brilliantly, in my opinion. Joe Biden was doing his pressure, you know, f- trying to cut him off, but as he was coming in to put some strikes, Dwight Grant would hit him with a powerful counter shot, and it made uh, Joe Biden think twice, in my opinion. Uh, on doing that again and I think it made him very hesitant he had a long layoff uh, between this fight and his last fight so I think he just I just don't think he was in that zone as he should have been Um, and I actually ended up giving the second and third round to Jovan Alan Jovan but I could see it going either way as very close in that third round nothing really happened so um, the judges ended up scoring it 29-28 to Dwight Grant. Uh, one judge gave all three rounds to Joban, 30-27. And then the other judge gave it 29-28 to Grant. Which, as I said, I could see it going either way. I gave it to Joban. Um, and Joban was a little... He was fired up after the fight. But honestly, I don't think you could be upset, man. Because you didn't throw enough shit. You literally threw, like... 10 strikes in the second round or third round or something like that. The output was very small. It was like 25 strikes for 15 minutes. That's that's crazy, man. You're throwing you're not even throwing two strikes a minute. So, you can't complain when the fight goes to the judges' scorecards and you didn't you didn't put it you didn't leave it all out there. You even said, "Oh, I could go another two rounds." Well, why? You sign up for a three-round fight. Why can you go another two rounds? You should have emptied it to the tank. You should have pressed the gas tank and made sure you got the win. If you don't, don't want to 
If you think you got screwed over by the judges, okay, finish the fucking fight then. You know, pressure. Put a little more fucking output out there. You know, make it convincing. You know, even though I gave him those last two rounds, I can see how judges could give him the third or the second round. I really can. Uh, Give Dwight the first or second or third round. Maybe not the second, but definitely the third. Um... He just wasn't, he didn't have enough output. So, I mean, you can't get mad at the judges for not, you just didn't do anything. You did nothing. You just followed him around the entire time. So, I mean, I don't know why you're mad, bro. Um, Honestly, it just makes you look worse, makes you look like a crybaby. And I think you need to watch the film again and realize that this was the most boring night of the fight and it was all your fault. Uh, Dwight Grant did his game plan, you know, Probably down to a science is probably exactly what they planned. Um, and he, uh, you know, he's a young, young up-and-comer guy. And this is probably the first time he kind of faced adversity. And was a, it looked like he was a little winded. Um, so he just stuck to his game plan, circling, getting away, you know, making you chase him. And as you would try to come in, he just lit you up. And every time you came in, uh, every time Joban came in with like a couple strikes trying to get in there and get close and, you know, do some damage, Grant just countered with a nice, uh, nicely timed counterpunch and just, you know, would shock him. And you could tell Grant's punches, his strikes just had a little more effect on Joban than Joban did on Grant. And I'm not upset with the decision. I think the judges were, were pretty good. Um, were pretty I can think they were really good actually this this uh this night. Most of the judges had the had what I had scored. Um you know as I said I'm not an expert I'm not officially trained but I'm a huge fan and yeah most of the time don't see eye to die eye to eye. So I I, th- I think you just need to get back in the gym jam Jovan and do better, put more output out, and get the win next time. I had money on you in a parlay. All you had to do was fucking throw a couple more punches and you would have fucking won. Um, I'd be a little happier with your performance as well. <laughs> but fuck it. Uh, next fight of the night, uh, third to last fight, uh, and the last fight before the two crazy uh, championship fights was between Eric Anders, Anders and Khalil Roundtree. And oh my god, man, Khalil Roundtree just looked amazing. Uh, and I couldn't believe Roundtree was a betting underdog this entire week going in. This is Anders, this might be his first or second fight at 205, but he's not a 205. Roundtree is a legit 205, or Anders should probably be fighting at 185. It'll look a little chunky at 205. And uh, damn, Roundtree went over to Thailand before this fight, which I didn't know going into it. But god damn that. Alright, so I'm not sure where I got cut off, but I'm pretty sure I got cut off talking about Eric Anders and Cleo Roundtree. Um, doing laundry now, and the alarm on my phone fucking stopped the first recording, but we're going to keep going. We're going to power through it. Um, but yeah, Khalil Roundtree went to Thailand before this fight, which I didn't know beforehand, and just pretty much revamped his entire style. He always had a decent ground game, and was a good pressuring fighter, decent stand-up, but he always looked a little, a little stiff and not very fluid, but that's a complete difference now. He's a completely different fighter, uh, just had an intense volume, powerful leg kicks, man. It looks like this guy's been, you know doing uh, tie fighting for the longest time. 
you know, for, for years. Um, he just looked great. Round one, he dropped him early. Round two, he dropped him again. He had four knockdowns in the fucking second round versus Anders. And, man, I don't even know how Anders was still in there, man. That dude's a savage and heart of a fucking warrior. Just tough as nails, man. I mean, former Alabama linebacker, I'm sure. And, you know, and the guys that are commentating were saying, man, I wonder what this compares, you know, after day soreness to those SEC matchups at Alabama. And, you know, I haven't been in any legit fights or anything like that, no sanctioned fights, but I think I think that, that football soreness is worse, so... Um, I think I think Anders will be fine. He's a tough dude, maybe too tough for his own sake. I think, you know, the guys uh, commentating the fight, Rogan and DC and John Anik, were all saying that his corner should probably st- should have stopped it out to the second. And I agree with them. Um, there was really no way he had a chance of winning that fight. He could barely stand on his front leg, so he had no power. And really the only chance he had to f- win that fight was by finishing him with you know, one solid punch because there's no way he's going to get a combo off with how much faster and more more disciplined and more fluid uh, Roundtree was. Um, but, I mean, I hope Anders goes back to 185. I think that's better for him. I look forward to seeing him again. Uh, he's a solid fighter. You know, tough as nails, cravage heart, crazy heart, savage, man. Um, Goddamn, I can't wait for Roundtree to fight again. This man... This man gained a lot of fans, I think, uh, over this fight, and rightfully so. Um, he deserves a top 15 guy, maybe even number around his name now. And he looks so good, man. I think he is. I think he can compete right now with those top guys and maybe one day fight John Jones for that title, whoever holds the title. So congrats to him. He, he looked great. Um, and if it wasn't for the two championship fights, he deserved a performance bonus. Like just give him some extra money, man. That that was a, that was a great performance. But let's get into the the two greatest fights possibly of the year, um, back to back. God damn, these, and after the entire after the event, the entire night, all I could say is wow, wow, like god damn, those fights are awesome. I'm just like, ah, oh, so great. Uh, co-main event between Kevin Gaslam and Israel, the last style better, bender, Adesanya. Uh, just a fucking war, man. And this first time I've seen Israel in, in danger and, you know, have to dig down and find that lion heart. And, you know, who he prevailed. He ended up getting the decision win, 48-46 on all judges' scorecards. And I think that's how I scored it as well. No, I had it... Oh, yeah, no, that's how I had it, too. Um, let's see where my notes. I gave the first round to Kevin Gaslam. He knocked him down in the first, although officially they didn't give him the knockdown. I gave him the knockdown. It was a fucking knockdown. Um, he was landing some power shots in the second. Had a takedown, but he didn't really control them. He did look a little gassed after round three, but then he came out round four even stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asanya knocked Gaslam down in the second. Um, and he just opened up and looked fluid, more fluid. It looked like he downloaded uh, Gaslam's, you know, 
Gaston's movement and kind of realize where to go from there. He's kind of like, he's a real lot of science, kind of like Floyd Mayweather. Like, it takes him around. You know, not always, but he, it takes him a, a little bit to... It's not that he's a slow starter. He's just he's just so technical and so fluent with this movement. And so his fight IQ is just off the charts, especially in the cage during the fight and how he can make in-fight adjustments. Not like in-between round just adjustment, adjustments, but literally second adjustments within the fight. It's just... It's wild, and he just downloads everything his opponent does and realizes, okay, where his reach is at, where he can hit him, where he can't, and, and goes from there. And it was just a brilliant performance by both guys. Um, I gave Gaslam the first round with that knockdown. I gave Adesanya the second with that knockdown. And the third, Adesanya just got the better striking exchanges. It looked like he started to pull away with it. But then Gaslam came back strong in that fourth round. He stunned him bad, the worst Adesanya I've ever seen him hurt. Um, so it was 2-2 going to that round. It was tied up. And then Adesanya just poured it on in the fifth, man. He just looked brilliant and just, you know, just made it definite for all of us that he won that fight. Um, I gave him 10-8, and all three judges gave him 10-8 in that round. And they all scored it 48-46 and gave him the W. He's the interim champ at 185. He'll be fighting Rob Whitaker next. Um, I think Whitaker said he'd probably be ready for August, September. So we'll see we'll see where uh when that lines up um where that ends up taking place and I look forward to talking about that fight in the future. And Gaslam's going nowhere, man. He's a solid fighter, you know, with the guy with the fucking eight inch reach advantage on him. He he was in there, man, and you know, he's a big underdog, but I think if if these guys run it back next time, he'll be a smaller underdog and you know, Gaslam's gonna be up in that top five for a while. He's a young guy and I'm sure he'll face Adesanya again, and I'm sure he'll get a title shot soon. You know, you just you just got to take a couple steps back and then, you know, take take even more steps forward and just keep progressing. I know he will. He's got the mentality of a fighter, and he's got the right makeup. And I look forward to seeing both of these guys next, and, and can't wait. Uh, as far as the main event between Max, Blessed Holloway, and Dustin, the Diamond, Poirier, what a great fucking fight. And, you know, honestly, this ended up going how I, even though I was leaning towards Max in this fight, just because his volume and his output, and I just thought maybe he's just on a whole nother level, this ended up going how I thought it would in the back of my mind. Uh, Although Max is the the taller fighter, um, Poirier had a reach advantage, slight reach advantage, um, but he definitely had the power advantage and size advantage. You could tell he's just, he's a more natural 155-er, and you could see it in his back. Uh, Poirier's back is just thick, uh, wide, it's just, uh, it's just, you could tell that's where he gets power from, whereas Max is a little little skinnier and slender, but he was also fighting at 145, you know, if he was come up to 155 in the future, you know, probably put a little more muscle on, a little more power, uh, be able to compete better, it's not like he didn't compete, just Poirier just had the right game plan, he never let Max, uh, you know, settle down, get into his rhythm, you know, he, Max definitely had his points there where he had, you know, 10 punch combinations like he always does, um, but Poirier did a good job, you know, anytime that, uh, Max was starting to feel himself. He'd hit him with, you know, 
you know, with a, with a nice long jab or, you know, jab straight combination or a couple combinations, you know, and powerful shots too to knock them off that rhythm, you know, have them reset, step backwards. And I think Max stepped back more than Poirier did. And, you know, honestly ended up getting Poirier the belt. Um, and I had the first two rounds going to Poirier. I had the third round to Holloway. And then the last two rounds to Poirier. So I had 49-46, and all the judges had 49-46 to Poirier. And it wasn't like a dominant win, but, I mean, he won four out of five rounds. So it's uh, it was pretty clear who the, who the better fighter was that night, and both guys showed a, a you know, a loads amount of respect towards each other, and it was great to see. Um, and I can't wait to see both of these guys in the octagon again. You know, hopefully Poirier gets that shot versus Habib for the title, and they can, you know... Um, you know, combine the belts or whatever. I forget the the quote unquote legit term for it. Unify, so they can unify the belts. Uh, a B tweeted after the fight said, "See you in September," and think if these guys, the guys in the post fight show, they said in September there's a Abu Dhabi card. So potentially that would be a huge fight uh, for Habib versus uh, Poirier in Abu Dhabi, and I think I think Habib or somebody mentioned in the past that they would love to see Habib on that Abu Dhabi card because it's kind of close to Russia, and his family and stuff would be able to go. His fans and could be potentially one of the biggest cards in history just because Habib's there. Um, those Abu Abu Dhabi oil men there, man, they got money and they. They'll put a fucking stadium in the middle of the desert. I mean, they got fucking uh, snow slopes in the middle of the desert. They fucking make it rain literally like once a week because they have so much money. They just cloud seed and have it rain, even though it doesn't rain there naturally because they're in the fucking desert. So, I mean, yeah, look forward, look forward to seeing Pori in there, hopefully versus Habib, and hopefully on the Abu Dhabi card, you know, get Pori another nice huge payday and, you know, see that matchup. You know, I think he has a decent shot versus, versus Habib. He's got a good ground game. He might not, he definitely doesn't have the ground game that Habib does, but maybe he can keep it standing and, you know, definitely would have the striking advantage as long as he, you know, kind of how he did with Max, you know, just uh, get a couple strikes in there as he's coming in. You don't let him get set up for that takedown. As he's coming in for that takedown, you know, throw some knees or throw, throw some jabs and just keep him away from your legs. Um, have some good sprawl takedown defense, and if you can keep it standing, it should be should be easy easy pickings. But it's a lot a lot easier said than done. So, man, it was a it was a great fucking fight, man. Great fucking night of fights. Um, glad I fucking watched it. Uh, and I guess just to close, I always like to close these with some latest uh, news and stuff. I don't really have any news right now, but I did see some people had some issues with the pay-per-view ESPN model to where they purchased it on their computer, but then it wasn't displaying for them on their TVs or their connected tablets or whatever. I personally did not have any issues with that because I did not use the pay-per-view. I used a third-party place, streaming place. That will be or name that will remain nameless and uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I 
I'm curious to see the pay-per-view numbers, and I see a lot of people had issues with the pay-per-view through ESPN, and I think it was kind of dumb of them to only do it through ESPN+. Plus. Um, you got to do it through the cable, man, too, because anybody that's over 35, I mean, sure, they might know how to work a computer, but they're going to be more more used to the cable pay-per-view model where you can just order it from your TV. You know, why not? You know, and you can still keep it on ESPN. It doesn't have to all just be on ESPN+. Plus. It's just dumb. So you're making it to where you have to have internet to do it. Um, older people might not have internet, or at least the capabilities to have internet to connect to their TV. They might not have a smart TV. Not everyone has a smart TV. I don't have a fucking smart TV. But the way I do it is I use the HDM cord to hook up to the TV to my laptop. You know, not everyone knows how to do that. Yes, it's pretty basic, you know, technology 101. But, you know, guys in 35 and older might not know how to do that if they're not, in, you know, tech savvy, so to say. Um, like, if I try to tell my mom how to get these fights, she'd be so fucking confused. You know, she's not a fight fan, but she wouldn't know how to do that. So, I mean, you're just limiting your base to people, to the younger generation and people that know how to work computers. Um, that's really what you're you're limiting your base to. And it's not even fight fans before, and fight fans is already a small, it's not a small market, like it's millions of people, but it's not hundreds of millions of people like the population in the United States, which is what I assume you want to grow your fan base to. All you're doing right now is limiting it. You're limiting it, you're taking... Your fight base is your fan base is already fight fans. Okay, let's just to make it simple. Let's just put a number on it. Let's just say it's ten million. It's probably more, but you know the most that's ever bought a pay per view is like two million. So for argument's sake, let's say just fight fan base. Well, I'll just say it's one million then. I'll say your fan base, your base fans is one million people, which might be accurate, at least in the United States. Okay, so that's your base, and now you're only offering it on ESPN+. Plus. So you're really only offering it to people that are either tech-savvy or younger people, just because younger people are all pretty much all tech-savvy, but anybody over 35 or 40, they don't know what the fuck ESPN Plus bullshit is. They don't know how to fucking hook up a laptop using an HDMI cord to the TV. They, some of them don't even have fucking... Uh, you know, smart TVs or anything like that. As I said, I don't. So you're already taking a concentrated base of a million followers, and let's say, I'm assuming that most, I don't know, I feel like most fight fans are older people. You know, people that have been around since UFC 1, saw Hoist Gracie do the jiu-jitsu amazingness that, you know, we all saw for the first time. And I don't know, I'd say at least half the fan base is older people that just like watching dudes fight. And you're just making it harder for them, and I think it's just going to hurt your model. You're hurting half your fan base, and I think you're cutting it in half and making it worse for them. So I think going forward, just offer it on cable too, but through ESPN pay-per-view. Like, can that not be done? I'm sure it can be done. Just come up with the deal for ESPN pay-per-view for cable. ESPN is already on every cable network out there. You just plug your shit in the wall, you get ESPN. So... Why not 
why not make it accessible on all mediums? You know, no, just don't make it the internet. Bring it to cable too so the older fucking fans can see the fights as well or people that don't know how to do technology. The only reason I am to do it is because I got paid and I have a degree in it and because I, I had a computer and a cell phone since I was fucking 10 years old, you know? I don't think many fight fans can say that. And if in anything, I don't... Most people my age aren't fight fans. Like, they only are concentrated on McGregor or Habib, and that's really it. They don't really know what just happened this past weekend. So I think they're really hurting the bottom line by doing that. You know, I'm interested to see what the pay-per-view numbers end up being. Um, but I think they'll end up proving me right. And it's sad because these are some of the best fights out there. Um, the, I think it's the best card from top to bottom that we've had this year. Uh, first pay-per-view card. So yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't make sense with that and be in line with that. But yeah. I guess just to close, good night of fights. Uh, can't wait for these next fights coming up on 420 on St. Beer Speak at Russia, even though I don't know most of them. I'll learn about them uh, through these fights. The preview episode will probably be a little shorter because, you know, I have a week and I literally only knew like the main event people. So I don't, I'm not going to be able to know detailed information about, you know, 20 fighters within a week. That's, you know, I have a, still have a full time job. And I'm actually sick right now. I have fucking tonsillitis. <clears throat> fucking on antibiotics. So, yeah, I just don't have time to fucking research 20 fighters from top to bottom of their career. You know, I'll do my best, but, um, you know, it is what it is. If you don't like it, you know what to do. It's called licking my balls. And on that note, love all you guys. Goodbye. <laughs>